So what is the gospel? If you missed part one, I want to encourage you, you can log on to the website. Uh, it's up on uh, fbcelgin.org. You can go to our media section and catch anything that you've missed there. Uh, four things today I want to share with you about what the gospel is not. Well, again, we kind of started this last week. There are a lot of things in the world that we have believed, and we said, you know what, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. But what if the gospel is greater and grander than that? And we don't want to paint things in a corner. And so four more things I want to share with you uh, today, uh, and we're going to try to define this thing called the gospel by talking about what it's not. Let's start here. I want you to know this morning that the gospel is not just the beginning. But you know that the gospel is not just the beginning. Uh, D.A. Carson, a great preacher, theologian, says for many Christians, including Christian teachers, the gospel has become that narrow set of beliefs about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that when rightly believed, tip people into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Another way to say that is, is that the gospel is just that narrow little bit of, of teaching about Jesus, uh, life, death, and resurrection that gets you saved. The gospel is what gets you saved. Okay. And, and, and then what they would say is then after you're saved, uh, everything else, the process of sanctification, which is, which is growing up and becoming more like Christ and maturing in your faith and, and, and discipleship and life change and personal disciplines, personal transformations, all that kind of stuff is up to you. And those things are not an integral part of the gospel. See, that, 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 that's, that's later. So the gospel gets you in, but everything else, that's just discipleship. That's just discipleship. And, and uh, in other words, another way to put that is the gospel saves, but it doesn't transform. And, and, and this is what we talked about a while back when we talked about trans, the transforming grace of God a, a couple of months ago. And I said to you, you know, part of the problem in the church is we, we honestly believe, we know Ephesians 2 eight, for it's by grace that you're saved through faith, Right? It's a gift of God. It's not of yourself, so no one can boast. So we go like, okay, cool, I'm saved by grace. And we know that one day, like when we get to be in the presence of God in heaven, clearly that's grace because we are completely undeserving, right? So that's going to be grace. But that process in between, from the time that we're saved to the time that Jesus calls us home, all this sanctification stuff, well, that's all about what I have to do. That's all about the effort that I put into it. It's all about me, right? And so we, we honestly kind of believe that somehow God's grace only applies to our salvation and, and, and here at the end, to our glorification, but, but that sanctification process, we don't think that, that, that God's grace covers that. And of course, we said, biblically, that's absolutely wrong, right? It's all grace. Every single breath is grace. Every precious moment in life is grace. Every next step we're allowed to take is, is grace, right? It's, it's, it's all covered by grace. And it's the same thing as the gospel. You see, the, the gospel doesn't just uh, set us uh, or get us into heaven, it ushers us into the very kingdom of God. It, it takes us from lostness to life. The, the gospel raises us up. The gospel teaches us the things of God. And then the gospel transforms us into the image of God. It works through us daily. The gospel sustains us. It, it, it keeps us until that day when all will be made new and right upon Jesus' return. And even then, my friends, even then we will spend an eternity trying to take in the grandness and the glory of this love of God in Christ Jesus called the gospel. The gospel's everything. The gospel's not just the beginning, it's our entire journey. Now look at Colossians with me. Colossians uh, chapter 3, this is 1 through 3. And, and there's a couple places I'll ask you to underline if you're one of those people that likes to write in your Bible. So here we go. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Uh, Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Okay, so since, since, you've, since you've been saved, now set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, 
not on earthly things. Get this, for you died and your life is now. Okay, so your life now, a.k.a. your journey now, get this, is hidden with Christ in God. All right. So 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 hear me. That means that the gospel is not just the beginning. The gospel is the whole journey that now, because you know Christ, you're actually hidden in God, in Christ. That is who you've become. The whole thing. See, the gospel is not just the beginning. It's the whole journey in Jesus. It's the whole journey, your life now hidden with Christ and God. All right. So first thing I want you to see, the gospel is not just the beginning. Uh, number two, I want you to see and understand this morning, hopefully, that uh, the gospel is not good advice. It's good news. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. Uh, Timothy Keller is the pastor at uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And uh, I- I'm very thankful for uh, for Timothy Keller because he, he took a sermon by one of my favorite guys, D- Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, longtime preacher and commentator and all this kind of stuff. And he was having Sunday night church. And so I don't even know, like, when he was doing it. I don't, I, maybe they had cassette tapes. It may have been eight tracks that they then made the cassette tape. And then they put on CD, but it's online. And so he, he, heard, he heard this sermon from Dr. 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 Uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, on 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and they were just doing Sunday night church, and, and uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones was preaching on 1 Corinthians 15. And so I want to give you the context. I want to read 1 Corinthians 15 with you. Okay, let's turn there. We'll start in verse 1. I'll read about 11 verses, and then I'll summarize the rest so you don't have to hear all 58 of them, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Uh, Paul writes, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I've preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised. And on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then he appeared to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. Paul saying, listen, if you don't believe me, you can ask all these other folks. They saw him, too. It says, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Whoo! That hit anybody else in the room? We'll preach on that one day. That'll just be the message. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul's saying, I was all those things, but by the grace of God, I now stand to you as a changed man. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And he goes on, he says, uh, And his grace to me was not without effect. It changed me. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what I preach and this is what you believed. And then Paul goes on to talk about uh, the resurrection. He goes on to talk about the fact that we have all been made alive in Christ. He goes on to talk about our resurrection bodies, which are going to be awesome. Right? I'm ready. Tall, dark and handsome is coming. I've been waiting my whole life for this. It's going to be it's going to be phenomenal. I'm going like six inches in my resurrection body. I know it. I know it. six pack. No more six pack with protective covering. All right. 
I just don't want to hurt my six pack is what it is. I'm protecting it. OK, I notice some of you've got the party ball working. So, um, you know, it's just working your way up to the keg. Uh, so uh, anyway, so resurrection bodies, they're coming. It's going to be awesome. And then and then Paul goes on. He says, listen, we're going to be made imperishable. This 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 earthly body is fading away, but we're going to be made imperishable. And, and then he and then he starts to end by saying death has been swallowed up in victory. And he kind of taunts it. Where oh death is is your victory. Where oh death is your, your sting. And he closes by saying, therefore, right, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Give yourself fully to your work in the Lord because you know that your labor in Him is not in vain. And, and, and this beautiful chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. And so uh, Keller is, is basically transcribes what Lloyd-Jones preaches and he makes this distinction as he's talking about the gospel. And he says, you know, listen, the gospel is good news, but it's, but it's not good advice. He says it's good news, but it's not good advice. And he breaks it down this way and I just, I, I just think so highly of it, I wanted to share it with you. Uh, he says, listen, here's, here's uh, advice. Advice is counsel about something that hasn't happened yet. That's what advice is, right? Uh, you know, there might be a job change coming up. And so somebody gives you some advice. Hey, a fork in the road is coming. Think about these things, right? And so it, 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 advice is counsel about something that hasn't happened yet. But you can do something about it. So that's why it's called advice. You know, hey, I heard you guys are looking at a new car. Have you thought instead of buying a new car that maybe you could buy a used car and you wouldn't lose all that depreciation value, right? Anyway, just saying. This is a conversation my parents would have with me, right? Uh, so so, so that's, that's called advice. That's counsel. But that's different than news. Now, here's what news is, ready? News uh, is a report about something that has already happened. You think about that. When you turn on the news at 10 o'clock, they're not giving you advice. They're not saying, hey, maybe you should do this. If you're gonna, they're saying, this is what's already happened. So news is a report about something that has already happened, which you can't do anything about because it has been done for you. And all you can do is respond to it. So all you can do is respond to it. See, those are two very different things. And, and he says, think about it this way, all right? A, a, a king uh, goes to war. To defend his kingdom. So his kingdom has, 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 has been infiltrated by an enemy. And so he, he goes uh, to war to defend that kingdom. He's going to stamp it out. Now, now here's the deal. If the king wins, if the king wins, he's going to send back messengers or heralds. He's going to send back good newsers. And the good newsers, the proclaimers of the good news, what they're going to do is they're going to come back and, and, and literally they're, they're going to shout, it's, it's been done. The enemy has been defeated. It is over, right? Therefore, respond with joy and live in the peace that's been provided for you. It's done. It's finished. Now, if the king loses, though, if the king loses, he's not going to send back good newsers to proclaim. He's going to send back advisors. He's going to send back advisors. They're going to say things like, you should get your marksmen over here and your horsemen over there. Somebody should guard the gate. You should batten down the hatches. And, and by all means, we've got to fight for our lives. It's a totally different story, right? And, and so, so the advisors are going to come in. And I want you to understand that's what every other religion on the face of the planet does. You, you think about it. 
They provide counsel about something that hasn't yet happened. And, and, and so that's what they believe. They don't understand the victory. And so they, the other religions, they come and they say, listen, here, here are the rites and here are the rituals and here's the laws and here's the regulations and here's the things that you have to do. Marksmen over here, horses over here, you watch the gate. We've got to fight for our lives. And yet the good news, the good news proclaims. The, the good news, if I, I need to step up here, the good news crawls up and stands and, and, and shouts from, from the top of the mountain. There's nothing that you have to do. It's all been done for you. The victory is won. The enemy is defeated. Now you respond with joy and live in the peace that's been provided for you. That's the good news. Amen. Yeah, you can clap. That's all right. Elizabeth's like, what? Yes, that's good news. You say, but that's hard for me. Because I feel like I should do something. Friend, you can't. See, the battles we speak of, you don't have the ability to defend. (laughs) So God has done it for you. That's the difference between good news and good advice. Therefore, respond with joy and live in the peace that has been provided for you. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. All right, number three. I want you to see this morning that the gospel is not just about forgiveness of sins and justification. Some of you are like, wait, hold up, pastor. That that just sounds heretical. Now listen, the gospel involves those things. I'm just saying it's not just those things. Follow me. Let's look at this together, okay? Uh, Romans 1.16, Casey read that for us earlier. says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, right? Ephesians 1.7 says this, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, those things, salvation, forgiveness of sins, justification, all those things are really important, and clearly they're all part of the gospel. Part. But follow me. Even these things, salvation, justification, forgiveness of sins, even even these things, as great as they are, as John Piper would say, as great as they are, they are just precious gifts of the gospel. They're just gifts of the gospel. Think about it with me. So if we believe in Jesus... Uh, our sins are forgiven, right? The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, hallelujah, those don't meet, right? Say, amen, thank you, God, right? Sins are forgiven. It means we will stand before God one day, right? And, and literally, as, as we do, God will hold nothing against us. That's a big deal. So it's a big deal that our sins are forgiven. That's a beautiful gift of the gospel. The problem is most of our invitations would stop there. So we'd say, your sins can be forgiven, Let's end the sermon. All right? So anybody want to receive Jesus, you receive Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. Here's the only problem with that. 
is that in ending the sermon there, we miss the greater question. And the greater question is, why do my sins need to be forgiven? And what does it matter? And why is that important, right? You see, it's not just about the fact that your sins are forgiven. It's about what your sins stand in the way of. Your sin separates you from a God that loves you dearly and preciously. And so what we need to understand is that our sin is what stands in the way of, of us and God. Our sin stands between us and the thing that we really want, the thing that we really desire, the thing that in our inmost being, the giant hole that's created with inside of us that we have tried our lives to fill. Some of us with alcohol and some of us with relationships and some of us with praise and some of us with the pursuit of wealth and money. That This giant hole that is in us is a God-sized hole that God put there. And and you see, what's going on is, is we're trying to fill that hole and what we need to understand is that our sins need to be forgiven so that that hole can be filled by the God that placed it there. You see, he's what we really want. It, it, it's God that we really desire. It, it's fellowship with God and it's, it's intimacy with God and it's basking in the glory of God. You see, God is the ultimate goal of the gospel. We get him. That's why the forgiveness of sins is important. And that's why justification is important and salvation. He is what we really desire. And so get this, with, without him, what's the point of the rest of it? What would it matter that your sins were forgiven if you didn't get God? What would it matter if you were justified if you didn't get God? You follow me? What, what, what would it matter if you were saved, but you didn't get God? It'd be empty. It'd be meaningless. Grace, forgiveness, justification are only good news because they remove the barriers to God. In Christ Jesus, the gifts of God are great and wonderful, but they're just a means unto the greatest gift, which is God himself. Which is God himself. Okay, the gospel is more than just justification and the forgiveness of sins. Number four. Almost done, I promise. The gospel is not just a proclamation that Jesus is Lord. It's not just a proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Now, hear me again. Totally biblical. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Right. OK, so so clearly the Bible teaches us that Jesus is Lord. The problem is we've gotten to a point in life that we, we preach this thing called lordship salvation, where what we believe in life is if everybody will just confess that Jesus is Lord, it's going to be good. Right. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So we just need people to, to confess that Jesus is Lord. And so here's the problem with that. If you think that's the gospel, I, I'm going to tell you that you need to remember what life was like before you got saved, because that's only good news if. You're a Christian. You see, to the lost and dying world, the fact that Jesus is Lord is not really good news. Uh, Greg Gilbert points this out in his, his book called What is the Gospel? And he says, listen, if, if you read the Bible and you believe the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. Okay? It says that as such, we are enemies of God and objects of God's wrath. Follow me here as a sinner. Okay, so I'm an enemy of God. I'm his arch enemy and I'm an object of his wrath. And you're telling me that this guy, Jesus, is now Lord. That means that he sits on a throne and that he has authority to judge me. So my arch enemy is now my judge. And you think that's good news because I think it's terrifying. 
because I think I need to change my underpants. You following me? Like, that's got me shaking in my boots a little bit. It's not good news unless you completely explain the rest of the story. And so that's when Peter, in Acts chapter 2, who, who boldly proclaims Jesus as Lord. Look at this, Acts 2, uh, no, Acts 2. Acts 2.36, uh, therefore, uh, he says, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Peter clearly says Jesus is Lord. But when he does so, he does so uh, before and after this statement. He explains what it means that Jesus is Lord. He says this Jesus whom whom God sent, whom you crucified. And he explains that this Lord that sits in judgment is somebody that came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross in our place, right? And was buried and conquered death and rose from the grave so that we could have access to God. And so he explains this, this judge that you're fearful of is a judge unlike any other judge you could imagine. He's a judge that instead of looking down up you, on you and condemning you, says there is a penalty for your actions and I'm going to step down and take it for you. See, so the fact that Christ is Lord only makes sense in the context that he has actually stepped down into our place and taken our judgment upon himself. And then we say, that is good news. It is good news that we have a Lord and a judge that doesn't judge harshly based on who we are, but rather takes who we are upon himself takes our wrath, takes our penalty, then that's good news. Do you follow me? It's not enough just to say that Jesus is Lord. We have to let people know why that's a good thing. It's a good thing because he's a Lord unlike any other. All right. Uh So what do we do with that? When we start to kind of understand who God is and and, um, and, and what, what Jesus has done for us, what do we what do we do? Uh, it's the same three things that I gave you last week. And I'm going to keep beating these into you in love. Uh, there's only really three things you can do with this, okay? Number one, um, you've, you've got to reject the false gospels. You just have to reject the false gospels, right? Um, think, think about that with me. Uh, just as we walk through that, the, the gospel is not just the beginning. So many of us in the church today have believed that the gospel is just the thing that gets us into heaven. And, and we've been raised that way and we have bought into it hook, line and sinker. And so most of us as Christians are out there doing the Christian thing on our own and in our own power. And we are miserable. You ever met a sour faced Christian, right? You ever met somebody? We, we have the good news. Like victory is won. And you look at us and we're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, dude, suck it up, man. You win. Like read the end. Right? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pop your bubble. If you haven't read the end, you should really read the end of the book. It's awesome. Ah, uh, it's really good ending. I don't want to blow it for you, but whoo, uh, you win. Um, so, so we, we just have to understand that we win. And, and so, so here's the deal. We, God didn't just save us for then. He saved us for now and then. And so, so the goal of the gospel, we get God, we get God now. That's it. And so if you've bought into anything else and, and you're just living some, for some future far off kind of moment, you're missing the God of the universe who steps down off the cross into the grave, out of the grave and into your life and says, listen, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but I'm going to come and live in you, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so here's the deal about this life. Maybe you're you're going to get down and maybe you're going to think that you're not a conqueror and maybe you're going to think that you're a failure. But the cool thing is, as you go through it all, I will walk with you and be with you. Me. I'm reading this book with my kids and it is freaking me out. Uh, it, it's it's an out of print book. 
um, called uh, the Kingdom Tales, right? It's out of print, right? Like, oh, okay, it's back in print. It used to be out of print. Okay, so it's back in print. So I'm reading this book called Kingdom Tales with my kids, and it's getting pretty intense. And there's this little hero, uh, is this boy, he was an orphan, and he gets named hero once he enters the kingdom. Before that, he was just this kid that, that had, uh, the enemy had, had burned his face, and, and he was always afraid of his scar and what he looked like. And so he's learning in the kingdom of God uh, that he, he doesn't need to cover his shame and his sin, and he uses both hands and all this kind of good stuff. And, and so last night, we get to this part and uh and and so the kingdom here amongst us and the enemy uh actually attacks the kingdom uh, amongst us the enemy begins to attack great park which is the kingdom amongst us and so the enemy begins to attack and this kid you know these 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 burners uh these these satanic you know things they've attacked him before and he's scared and all these kind of things and so this this thing's coming it's interesting when they attack though uh the soldiers, the burners, they're actually behind this group of people in front. The first line of the enemy was a group of, of, of uh, people singing hymns or chanting, if you will. They're called the naysayers. And as they marched to the beat of a drum, they just said, nay, nay, nay. And the goal, of course, was that it was reminding all those that would fight and stand up against the enemy that they were nothing and that they couldn't do anything and they would freeze in fear and feel like a failure. How do you feel when you walk through the doors this morning? Feel like you failed Jesus? Feel like you're a failure as a Christian, as a husband, as a wife? Well, maybe I could submit this to you. Maybe it's because you've bought into the wrong gospel. You believe that the gospel was just about eternal life. And the true gospel is that God wants to change you here and now and forever. You are a conqueror. You do win. It is finished. That's why it's called the good news and it's not good advice. It's a big deal. Reject the false gospel. Okay, number two, I tell you repent of it. It's not enough to reject something that's false. You actually have to then turn and walk to something that's true. Uh, I, I, I don't know a good way, a really good analogy to, to say that other than you, you like literally have to go the wrong way. So if you were, you know, I don't know, one day happened to like go into a one way street and cars were flying at you. I promise at some point you wouldn't decide, well, if I just keep driving down this road long enough, surely I'll get to some place that I can turn. No, you're going to like, like, OK, I'm getting off to the side and I'm going to do a little I'm going to wave at people and honk my horn and make an idiot out of myself. Like, hey, hey hold on one second. Don't hit me. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to go back the other way. Right. So I don't kill somebody and I don't kill myself. So many people, they see the truth and they understand that they're going the wrong way, but they'll never take the time to actually back up and go the other direction. Friends, it's not enough to know that you've believed in a false gospel. You then have to pursue the true gospel, the true meaning. You remember what Jesus says to people? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light and you'll find rest for your souls. Oh, Christian brothers and sisters, why are we struggling so hard? Why are we trying to do the work of Jesus when it's all been done for you? When he says, listen, I have won. The victory is mine. So now rejoice and enjoy the peace that's been provided for you. We're winners. We're not losers. Don't listen to the naysayer. Repent. Go the opposite direction. Okay. Here's the last thing. Receive. When we head the opposite direction, 
we start walking the right way, at some point we actually have to just surrender unto it and say, you know what? I can't believe it. It could really be this. Now listen, I know grace is hard, right? How many people you'd rather have a role in it, right? You're a doer. You want to do something. I, I want to get my hands dirty. Friend, your hands are dirty. That's the problem. It's a problem. The Bible says there's a, there's a way that seems right unto a man. In the end, it leads to death. Uh, that's us. It says our heart's deceitful above all else, and it's beyond cure. Okay? So, so here's the deal. But there is a cure. His name is Jesus. And he doesn't want you just for eternal life. He wants you here and now. We get him now. That is the goal of the gospel. We get God. God is the goal of the gospel. And some of you have felt alone and you've not understood that though life is hard, God is good and he is with you now. Friends, I don't know what I'd do in life if I still felt like I was all alone. I've been there. I was 20 before I became a Christian. Even then, I didn't fully understand the fact. Even now, I struggle with this truth. God never leaves me. He's always with me. What are you walking through? What are you trying to carry on your own and by yourself? Because, you know, it's true. Christianity is not tough. It's impossible. It's impossible. You need God. You need Jesus. So I'm going to I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you would be able to receive that. Okay, let's pray together this morning. Lord, uh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your